And it is the parable about the friend that comes in the middle of the night with a request. And you can also call it a very personalized parable on prayer. <clears throat> and if this gets in your way, then I suppose, you know, there's the balcony. And <laughs> <laughs> So this parable starts in verse 5 and goes through verse 8, but um, I would like to start in verse 1 to give us the context because we're going to see how this is a continuing lesson that was uh, started a little bit earlier. Before we go there, uh, join me please in prayer. Father, I ask you to anoint these words with your spirit and guide us in this time in your word that we would be drawn to you, to cling to you for life, that our needs would be met and that we would be satisfied in you alone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So reading from Luke 11, starting at verse 1. We'll go to verse 8 for now, and then uh, we'll pick up and continue on later uh, down to verse 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And now here's the parable. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So this parable is, as I said, a continuation of answering the disciples' request for teaching on prayer, where, picking up where the Lord's Prayer itself leaves off. The content of the Lord's Prayer was only the beginning of the lesson on prayer. With the parable, Jesus is giving us much more than what to pray, but He's also giving us why we pray and how that affects how we pray. 
And then he points us to the one to whom we pray so that we have an unswerving assurance that our prayers are answered and our needs are met with certainty. Now, this, this parable is a little unique in that instead of answering a question, Jesus asks a question. And he makes it personal by bringing us into the story and asking if this isn't the way we would act if we were unprepared for a situation where life takes us by surprise and we can't fix it without some outside help and without a sense of urgency that requires setting aside our pride and our shame and our hesitancy and our embarrassment. It's about learning to pray out of an understanding of our desperate need that drives a shameless audacity. I like, a, I like the Jewish translation here where they use a word <clears throat> that... Uh, this may be familiar to some of you. Chukzbah. Chukzbah. It's a Jewish word that catches all of those ideas of really being in your face and you are not going to let no be the answer. And so he's setting us up here, you see, for a greater certainty of how much more we can expect from our Heavenly Father with this parable, Jesus starts from the lesser and takes us to the greater. Then he gives a partial answer to his own question with the ask, seek, and knock answer, always being will. He reinforces the assurance of the positive outcome of a faithful lifestyle of prayer. So instead of self-reliance, we are redirected here to constant and consistent prayer as the go-to, not the last resort, but the first response to our needs. And when Jesus gives more of an answer by asking another question, He goes on and He says, again, personalizing it with another which of you? And then summarizing the lesson with the how much more statement about the Father in which He takes us back to the beginning, back to the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, so that we better understand the relationship that we have to Almighty God as a Father who is always there, always ready to hear from us, to meet our needs, and who never needs to be awakened at any time. So, that's the overview. Now, let's go and take a little closer look at the lesson of the parable. So, Jesus is giving us a situation that I imagine most, if not all of us, can relate to. 
a sudden and an unexpected event that takes us by surprise that we are not prepared for. And we are forced to admit that we need help from someone else. We need to ask in such a way that the need is clearly understood to be immediately urgent and that no is not an option. It's urgent. It's driven by urgency, by a desperate need. It's important to understand also that in this historical, in this cultural context, hospitality is taken very, very seriously. In fact, it could even come down to a matter of life and death. You put your life at stake for your guest. It would be shameful, absolutely shameful, to fall short in any way in hosting a guest under any circumstances. It doesn't matter what brought this about. You have an obligation, and it is a serious one how or when they arrive, or whomever it may be, does not matter. Often, the confusion happens in this particular parable, and I think people overcomplicate it. Sometimes I've seen commentators take us all over the place with this, and it gets confusing. I think this parable is pretty simple and straightforward. And they get their confusion when they focus on verse 8 and they ignore the cause of what's happening in verse 8 by ignoring verse 6 because they're so caught up with trying to explain the meaning of these words. Here's verse 8 again. Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So in order to understand this, what he's saying here, we just simply need to go back to verse 6. He said, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. Chuspa. <laughs> Help. I think the friend inside would understand The shameless audacity is driven by the desperate and immediate need. There's a reason behind the intensity. It's as simple as that. The question Jesus is asking here is essentially, isn't this how any one of you would respond given those circumstances? He wants us to understand this kind of life experience is the context of prayer in the context of prayer. That's why this parable immediately follows the words of the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is more than its words. We should be driven to prayer by the urgency of our needs. They are daily because we are always in need by the very nature of us all the time. We are dependent on God every day all the time. Without the presence and the power of God's Spirit, we are never prepared for what the unexpected in life can throw at us. And God does not want us or need us to be casual or timid about how we approach Him when we pray. He doesn't want us to hold back. 
in shame or embarrassment. <laughs> he understands. Just look at the Psalms and the boldness that is there. We can and should be as intense as the occasion requires. In this parable, he also is modeling something for us to imitate that is consistent with what he has said in so many of the other parables about the kingdom of God and what he is looking for in all of us. Think about the little children and how you set them forward. Think and ask like a child. Think and ask like a child. Children don't let pride or embarrassment get in their way when it comes to their needs. They just put it out there and they expect a very good outcome, the best outcome. Let me give you an example. Our our youngest son, Daniel, when he was pretty young, we, we started noticing that every time he prayed, it was always in the form of thank you, which I think is a great model. <laughs> thank you for this, thank you for that. One morning, I think it was probably breakfast time, he prayed at breakfast, and uh, he really got our attention with that one because his prayer was, thank you, Lord, that we're going to the beach today. And we all go, I guess we're going to the beach today. Putting it out there. (laughs) Just blurt it out. God can take it. God understands that he will do what is right in our behalf. When it comes to our needs, we should expect that our Father is interested in hearing what we have to say. However we put it, he can sort it out. Jesus then follows this parable with a partial answer in verses 8 and 9, in a partial answer to his own question with the intention of going on and giving us more, a little later, and setting us up for a bigger answer. So in verses 9 and 10, he says this, so here is what I say to you, okay, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So whether it's asking or seeking or knocking is beside the point. It's the answer that he wants us to notice. It's the same in each case. One word they all have in common is will. Will be given. Will find. Will be opened. Receive. Find. Open. Jesus is encouraging the same thing Paul later said more than once in several different ways. Pray without ceasing. Pray everywhere, all the time, on every occasion, etc., etc., etc. 
constantly, consistently. And then James warns us, you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus answers his own question then further with another personal question that starts the same way as before in verses 11 and 12. Again, which of you, this time, which of you fathers? Now he's moving, he's getting a little closer to home. See? Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Of course, it's a rhetorical question, and we know the answer. Certainly not. What kind of a father would do that? That is not a good father. Fathers are expected to do the best for their children, for their welfare. You see what's going on here? Setting us up for the final big answer, the most satisfying answer, the one that takes us all the way back to where he started in the first place in the Lord's Prayer with the words, Our Father in heaven. And why we are and why those words are so significant to pray, to prayer, and how we pray. Here's what he says in verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, here it is, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's what He's been setting us up for all along. This is the answer to, by the way, there were three parables here. The parable of the one at midnight was the first one that we were primarily looking at. And these, all three of these parables were, were taking us from the lesser to the greater, from the which of you who has a friend, or whether you ask or seek or not, or which of you fathers, and then considering our heavenly Father, the answer is how much more? Set against that backdrop. There is no better friend than the friend of sinners. There is no better Father than our Father in heaven. There is no greater love than the lover of our souls who is God our Savior. How much more Can we be assured that the Almighty God who made it all and who governs it all and is known to us as our Father in heaven will meet our daily needs and give us so much more than we ask or even imagine? That's where He's taking us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with us, with him, freely give us all things? Paul said that in Romans 5, 8, if you want to know. Oh, what a difference it makes when we know God is our Father and know that he 
can come, that we can come to Him anytime, anywhere, with any need, without excuses, without shame, as here is His dearly loved children. He knows us, and He loves us like nobody else. He's always home. He's always awake. And He's never disturbed by our intrusion into His presence. He, in fact, invites it. And not only does He meet our physical needs, but how much more do we see here in this text that He even gives us His Spirit without measure, with all the benefits that flow from His indwelling and is in transforming power and grace that goes with that. When asked, Lord, teach us to pray, how much more satisfying could the answer be than to start and to finish as Jesus did with our Father in heaven? Knowing that like children... We can just throw it out there, and he'll meet the need. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, you are so precious to us. We adore you. We trust you. Help us to trust you more. Help us, Lord, to learn to not hold back, because you are so satisfying to us. Lord, above all, you are enough for us. Teach us, Lord, to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us now and join us in It Is Well With My Soul.